0: Hey, I'm hypermobile. And if you're listening to this, I'm guessing you might be too. Hello, my name is Alex and I'm your hypermobile host. And today's topic is talking with doctors and other healthcare providers. As many of you I'm sure will know, there are a lot of issues facing the healthcare system today and and this is true regardless of where in the world you are and I can say that because I work remotely with patients worldwide. Navigating the medical system is challenging at the best of times, but lately it's been even more challenging given some of the current issues facing it today. This includes things like aging populations that are placing extra stress on the system, insurance issues, especially in America, which cause a lot of problems when it comes to doctors being able to treat patients the way that they want to in those types of situations. There are issues again with funding. There are issues on top of issues here, okay? It doesn't mean there's not bright spots. I don't want people to think like I'm just here ripping on doctors or being really critical. There are so many amazing and wonderful things that happen every day, in every healthcare system probably. But the unfortunate reality is that there are currently a lot of problems which end up harming patients, especially hypermobile patients or people with less understood issues. So today I'm giving all my hypermobile listeners my tips and tricks to help you feel good about your next medical appointment. So firstly, be aware that you'll be dealing not only with the healthcare provider in front of you, but also with the system. And to use an analogy, I want you to think of the legal system. So the legal system is complex, it's multi-layered, it's a labyrinthine, and it it is confusing to navigate. And you would never, ever, probably, or at least I know I wouldn't, try to navigate the legal system without hiring someone as my legal representative because i would assume quite rightly that the legal system is complicated and i do not have the knowledge to navigate it successfully i find it so interesting to think about how we just expect patients to navigate the medical system with no real medical knowledge medical training uh, any type of like you know biology background or physiology or whatever we have people who are very and obviously it can vary by the way i just want to say there are some expert patients some some patients know more about some things than me and there are a lot of healthcare providers who i end up seeing as patients so like again this is not everyone but we often have people who are uneducated and quite vulnerable dealing with a system and this creates a huge power dynamic that can be very problematic in terms of patient outcomes The problem we also face as well is sometimes there will be wonderful, amazing healthcare providers who want to help patients and give them the best possible clinical experience, but they can't because of the system, because of the, maybe it's the appointment length. It doesn't allow the time for an appropriate assessment. So it's a system that's unfair to the GP and unfair to the patient. It's just a bad situation. We can't change the system at this moment in time and I want to focus on what you can do given how the system is, okay? But just be aware that that's what you're dealing with. Of course sometimes there are some healthcare providers that aren't that nice and if you have that added on top then that causes further problems as well. I want you to also think of what you're trying to achieve and. Again, this is hard to do if you haven't had support in developing an understanding of the healthcare system or in becoming a body literate patient. And these are things which ideally healthcare providers will help patients with. But if you go into the appointment and you know, okay, I I think I might have HEDS and I actually looked up the diagnostic criteria and I'm going to bring them into my doctor. And the thing is here, you, you need to stress like, you're not pushing for a diagnosis in the sense of being like, I'm going to force you to diagnose with HEDS, but you're saying, hey, I think this is going on. Here's the diagnostic criteria. Could you please look at this and give me your expert opinion? Because that's what good healthcare should be at the end of the day. It should be a collaboration between the healthcare providers, hopefully expert opinion and the patient who is hopefully able to communicate clearly about what they're experiencing. So again, having that end in mind can help you navigate the system because you know what direction to go in some people will book an appointment i've had patients very reasonably and very justifiably book appointments because they just want something clocked so sometimes i'll see a patient and they'll have like a mole that looks a bit funny or something and i'll just tell them you know just book an appointment just so that it can be recorded just so that a note can be made that it was seen on this day it looked like this and when you go to that appointment, ask your healthcare provider, say, hey, I'm a bit worried about this. I expect that you're gonna say it's nothing, but at what point in time should I come back? And what should I keep an eye out for if it changes? So it's, it's looking for those changes over time. I think sometimes that can be a really um, useful thing to think about when you're booking an appointment. Additionally, patients often book appointments because they're hoping for a referral for further testing. The unfortunate reality is that some testing is just very, very inaccessible in certain healthcare systems. So sometimes it can be helpful just to have a really frank conversation with your doctor and say, hey, this is the testing like from what I've read or from people I've spoken with that I think I would like to try and get. Is it possible to do any of this with you? And if I can't do this stuff with you, do you have any advice on how I can do these other tests or do you think I even need them or would benefit from them? Can you give me your opinion on that? And I think those are all totally okay questions to ask your healthcare provider. My third tip is to move laterally if you can't make progress. So sometimes, unfortunately, patients will be seen, typically it is a GP, but they'll be seeing a healthcare provider. That's kind of the next step in in unlocking the referral pathway. They're trying to get a diagnosis, they're not able to make progress, and they just feel like they're hitting a wall. My tip for those patients, and this is what happens with a lot of the patients I end up seeing, is to try and see someone who is a complementary or alternative healthcare provider. So this might be someone like an osteopath who specializes in working with hypermobile patients, maybe a physiotherapist, maybe a chiropractor, just look for people who hopefully have meaningful qualifications, make sure it's someone who's like a, a regulated healthcare professional of some kind. But they, if they're good at what they do, will hopefully have a, a network of doctors that they end up receiving referrals from or referring to and they might be able to just point you in the direction of people who deal with hypermobile patients on a regular basis. So that can be a really handy shortcut. So again, move laterally if you can't make progress up, okay? Now, it's also important to think of some questions that you want to ask at your appointment and I I'm the type of patient, I have to say, I've had some things happen in my life that make me very stressed about healthcare appointments. I very often cry at them. Um, I probably have what's typically referred to as white coat phobia. I do not do super well at medical appointments. So don't feel embarrassed if you're the type of person who has to make a list or who has to go through rehearsals. I used to rehearse talking because I would get so stressed about communicating on a medical appointment. So don't be embarrassed at all about that, Okay. And um, hopefully if you can find a buddy to bring with you, that's a really big tip of mine is always, always bring a buddy if you can, because it really does help to address the underlying power imbalance. Because you've gone from an appointment with the healthcare provider and the patient to an appointment with the healthcare provider, the patient and their sister or their fiance or whatever. And simply by virtue of having that other person in the room, I do think that it always makes healthcare providers be a little bit more diligent, a little bit more thoughtful. It's like you're you're being scrutinized more. And I say that I'm someone I'm, I'm very happy for my patients to bring uh, you know whoever they want to their appointment as long as they consent and they're happy to have them there. And I think that it does help to protect patients. So always bring someone with you if you can. But in terms of questions you should ask, I think it's really important to ask how you're going to assess progress of a treatment plan. So if you have a treatment plan that's recommended to you, I think it's okay to say, okay, that's cool. That sounds good. I'll do whatever for three months, but how are we going to measure the progress or lack thereof? And I'm very against the whole, let's try it and see how you get on. Even when it comes to things like a female patient who's been recommended to take a birth control pill, I will tell that patient, you know, ask your doctor if you should go back in a few months for a quick follow up just to see how you're getting on and see if you're still having any uh, side effects you're dealing with or any um, issues with it. That type of monitoring is important because that's how we make sure that people are getting the right kind of health care. Additionally, something I do myself, and this is really a thing your health care provider should be doing in the appointment, but it's asking or receiving a brand statement so a brand statement brand stands for benefits risks alternatives and nothing and all this is and i'll use myself as an example if i'm giving a patient a treatment plan and i'm saying you know this is what i recommend it's reasonable that i should explain to them these are the benefits of the treatment plan these are the risks of the treatment plan these are the the alternative things we could do and this is what happens if we do nothing because that information is required for the patient to give informed consent So if your healthcare provider forgets to give it to you or doesn't give it to you, it's okay to say, hey, can you tell me about the benefits of the treatment you've recommended? What about the risks? Are there any alternatives? And what happens if we just don't do anything today? Or can I take a few days to think on it or whatever? That's all okay. That's that's good healthcare, (laughs) okay? Additionally, I want to stress to the hypermobile community that you should read the side effects. So I was actually chatting with a, a patient of mine about this the other day. And we were both laughing because growing up, we were the type of people who wouldn't read the side effects because we didn't want to bias how we felt we were responding <laughs> to uh, you know, a, a drug that we were taking or a treatment or whatever. But in hindsight, given how many times it seems like hypermobile patients end up being that like 5% or 1% or whatever, I think it's important to read the side effects. It doesn't mean necessarily that you should then panic or you know worry uh uh inappropriate amount about that but i think it's important to be aware of side effects given how often it does seem like it's hypermobile patients who then go on to have those side effects okay so definitely read that pamphlet again it all goes back to informed consent knowing the side effects of whatever treatment you're doing is a key part of informed consent another tip i have is to collect evidence and i want to stress i don't mean this i don't want any of this to be like combative or adversarial i think that good healthcare is always collaborative when it's possible for it to be that way but by collecting evidence you just help to make the whole appointment process more efficient collecting evidence can be things like just thinking about activities of daily living so what can you not do now that you could do a month ago or that you could do six months ago It can be things like photo or video if you have you know if you have a bad day and you're having trouble moving in a certain way having that recorded can really help because a a picture says a thousand words and as i like to say photography is the single most underutilized form of medical imaging and we all have cameras on our phones so use that form of medical imaging take those photos and videos um but that can be really helpful if you're getting weird bruises take photos of those because Unfortunately, it seems to always be the case that on the appointment day, patients tend to feel better uh, just, just through sheer luck. And that's the tricky thing with uh, conditions associated with joint hypermobility, um, HEDS and HSD and so on, is that there, there are good days and bad days. And if you have a good day on your appointment you've waited months or years for, it can feel so frustrating. So document what you're going through just simply because it helps you to communicate better with your doctor. I think it's always a good idea to email clinic reception or the healthcare provider if they'll let you do that directly and ask if they deal with cases like yours. So I invite and encourage any prospective new patients who wish to work with me to send me some information about their case. I do this because I I am not the perfect healthcare provider for every patient. There are things I'm better at dealing with and there are things that are outside of my scope of clinical practice or what I consider to be my area of expertise. And instead of wasting a patient's time and money by seeing them and then realizing that I'm not the right person to work with them, I personally prefer to just be able to assess that before they book in. So I think it can be a very good sign if you email a clinic and say, hey, um, here's a, you know, write a quick paragraph about kind of your, your main issues and what you're hoping for help with. And then see if they say, yeah, that's something we deal with or no, that's something we don't deal with. Um, Go go to another clinic. Hopefully they'll give you a recommendation, but I'm a big fan of shooting off a quick email or even doing a quick phone call if it's possible. And reiterating my earlier tip I gave about bring a buddy, bring a buddy and put them to work. Make them take notes for you. It can be really hard being a patient. I know I struggle when I'm a patient. I don't remember anything when I'm at a medical appointment. And that's why it's so helpful to have someone there taking notes for you. And maybe even if you've written some questions out in advance, they can make sure that you remember to ask all your questions. They are your extra brain for the appointment. So use that buddy. And again, just ask people. I've gone to appointments with friends. I've had family members come with me. Like just always try and bring someone if you can I think it can really make a big difference. My final tip is to bring the 2017 HEDS diagnostic criteria printout with you. I'll try and link it in the show notes. It is a single page piece of paper. And although, um, so the Ellers General Society, they produce a lot of great resources and they have their GP toolkit, which is fantastic. There's so much information in there. And if you are lucky enough to have a GP who really wants to learn more about EDS, then they're going to love that. It's, it's excellent. However, Many GPs right now, I think, will feel overwhelmed if they're given a link to that page because there's so much information there. So I think it could be much easier in some ways just to literally bring the printout of the diagnostic criteria with you. In the event that you don't have HEDSA, they are able to quickly read through the form and they say, look, this is not you and these are the reasons why at least it gets that conversation going. And it shows the GP that you are a a patient who's motivated and you're a patient who is curious and you you really want to feel better and you're trying to figure out what's going on. So I can't see how it would be anything but a positive interaction. I know some people will be worried that their doctor will feel like they're telling them what to do. And maybe there are some, unfortunately, some healthcare providers who will feel that way and respond negatively. But in the event that they do, you've kind of done yourself a favor in a way because you've demonstrated to yourself very quickly that they're probably not healthcare providers who will be able to help you. (laughs) You need to just like cut them away. You You need to remove yourself from their care if it's possible to find someone who's willing to work with you in that collaborative solution oriented type approach that I'm a big fan of. I hope you found this helpful. I hope you have at least one tip that'll make a difference at your next appointment. And I look forward to having you join me for episode three.